Apostle Mrs. Leanne Kofi, the founder and general overseer of the Lord's Garden Ministries, a ministry which is focused on bringing back the glory of God into the lives of people who have been battered by the world. She's a healing apostle and ministers powerfully to break people free from demonic oppressions. We believe you'll be blessed as you listen to today's word. Now, today's word. We give you thanks this morning for life. We thank you, the Lord, by your spirit, you've gathered us together, my God, across nations, continents. My God, no barriers, because, Lord, there are no barriers where you are concerned. And this morning, we gather in one heart, one spirit, together in your name. And your word tells us that where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And so we know, Heavenly Father, Lord, you are in our midst. My God, wherever anyone is joining in this service from, you are there present. My God, you are there to perfect your will. And so this morning we say, have your way. Spirit of God, have a free course, my God, in our lives. And I pray, my God, that Lord, this word that you sent forth, my God, doesn't return void, but Lord, it accomplishes the purpose to which it's been sent. Thank you, Father, for your heart towards us. And you say you delight in the prosperity of your servants. We give you glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We thank God for this wonderful Sunday in the month of August. And I know that God is about to do a new thing in your life and I believe in the world as a whole and especially in the body of Christ. This morning I'm bringing to you a word of title, Power in Giving. For this whole week, the Lord has been taking my heart onto the area of finances, onto the area of our financial destiny and the blessing of God that he has already released for you to be blessed financially. You know, the blessing of God is not just in money, but it's total, in total well-being. But there's that aspect of it that you know, pertains to your finances, amen, and your fruitfulness and the power of increase upon your life. Now, there is so much going on in the world today and this coronavirus pandemic seems to have taken over every sphere of, of life, particularly in the financial sector. All over the world, people are losing jobs and um, money is not um, easily available. And there's a general struggle. But in the midst of it all, we hold on to the word of God, which is truth. And he does bring his word to pass. Amen. That he says that we shall laugh even at famine. Amen. And that is the portion of those who are his. Amen. Power in giving is the word of God for today. And this morning, I believe I'll be ministering to you the part one and then the part two next week. And you ask me, Apostle, why? How come? You know, I had this word prepared and early this morning I started hearing more and so I had to break it into two. So this morning I bring to you power in giving. There is so much that releases God's blessing upon our lives. So many things that releases bless, God's blessing upon our lives. The paramount thing, the first thing is God's covenant with us. Amen. And God's love for us. That in itself releases the blessing of God upon our lives. Now, 
one of the things that I'll be talking about throughout this thing is in our giving. And when I talk about giving, I'm talking about giving upward to God, giving to the poor and the needy, giving to the designated areas that the word of God has told us to. Amen. And one of the most profound statements I find in the word of God is found in John 3.16, our popular Sunday school scripture. Whenever you ask any Sunday school child to quote a scripture, they'll probably say John 3.16. Amen. But it's, it's really deep because it's that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave. It is the love of God that pushed his heart to give his son Jesus to die in our place. God put on the form of man to come and die in the place of man for man's sins to be forgiven. This is the greatest act of love that we can ever talk about. That love of God that is so great, so deep, that it didn't matter where we were at, and it still doesn't matter where you are at, he loves you all the same. God is a giver, amen. He is a give. God is a giver, and nobody can outgive God. No one can outgive God. He gives freely, Bible says he gives without holding back. He gives generously. He was serving a giving God. Now, when we talk about giving, what, what is giving? In the normal sense, giving is releasing something to other someone else or to a cause. Every act of giving is a letting go, a release onto something else. Now, giving is also the act of parting with something. And most of the time, where, where the word of God is concerned, something precious. And when we are talking about giving in biblical sense, is giving or releasing something precious, releasing it out parting with it. Amen. Now, there are certain principles that govern the believer's prosperity and well-being. And one of these principles is the principle of giving. Giving and receiving. Jesus, in the Gospel of St. Luke chapter 6, says, the verse 30, he says, I give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall God cause men to give unto your bosom for with the same measure that you met out or that you give out it shall also be measured unto you amen now this is uh, a spiritual principle giving and receiving seed time and harvest time sowing and reaping these are spiritual principles and to bring it to um everyday common language i say um give and get or yes when you give the spiritual order is that you receive from that which you have given. If you give love, you receive love. If you, you go and give out hatred, you receive also hatred. So whatever you give is an act of sowing. And it is put into something and it will definitely bring out something for you. Amen. So remember this, that giving is a spiritual principle. Giving and receiving is a spiritual principle. And God said that for as long as the earth remains, see time and harvest time will never cease. So long as there's seed time, there will be a harvest time. Amen. And you cannot reap where you haven't sown. Anybody who goes into somebody's farm where he has not sown any seed and, and tries to reap will be called a thief. Amen. But when you put down your seed, you will 
get a harvest. You, you, you have the, the legal right to take because you have given. Now, in Genesis chapter 4, the verse 1 to 7, I want to read. Bible says, And Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bore his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. Amen. Now, Bible says that Cain and Abel, they were brothers. Cain brought his offering, an offering unto the Lord. And Abel also, Bible says he brought also an offering unto the Lord. But Bible says that the Lord had respect. That means that he appreciated, he regarded Abel's offering better or more than Cain's offering. The sacrifice of Abel was received by God as opposed to that of Cain. Now, what was the difference? Because after all, they both gave. But clearly, there was something about their different givings that made God have respect, honor, or appreciate the offering of Abel against that of Cain. Amen. Now, listen to the two givings. Genesis 4, 3 says, And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Cain was a farmer. So he brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Now listen to that of Abel. Genesis 4, 4. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock. He was a shepherd. So now I want, if you, you have a Bible, and that Bible is yours, I want you to underline firstlings. He brought the firstlings, that is the prime, the first fruit, and that which was prime of his flock. And the Bible adds, and the fat thereof. That means that he brought the fatted cow or calf in his flock, the first, the best. He brought the best to God. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and unto his offering. If you go to verse 5, he says, but unto Cain and unto his offering, he had not respect. God didn't appreciate Cain's offering. He didn't like it. He didn't honor that offering. He, and Cain was very angry. So Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why are thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin lies at the door, and unto you shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Bible says, Cain talked with his brother, and it came to pass that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. He killed him. Now, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock, and the fat thereof. Now, consider that these two boys were your children, and one brings an offering. was just an offering. And I, 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 I'm just seeing it right now that the Bible doesn't say of his ground. It says of the ground. So it was an anyhow anything offering. He just brought it. But Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. 
That means that he actually weighed and chose the best, the prime, and all its additions and brought it unto the Lord. So if you were a father, definitely you would have respect unto that, the one that was carefully chosen, the one that came you know, from the person's heart as giving you the best. And that was the case of the giving of Cain and Abel. And I also recognize that God said to him, to Cain, that if you do well, will you also not be accepted? That means that what Cain did, God said, Cain, you didn't do well. That's what he's saying. He said, if you also do well, will you also not be accepted? That means that Cain bought an offering, but God said he didn't do well. Because your offering, your giving was not acceptable. But he had respect unto that of Abel, which means he did not do well. He didn't give of his best. You know, when it comes to giving to God, there are certain things we must understand. And these things I tell you this morning, I, I heard them. And I was telling my husband that this part of it was not part of what I was bringing. But this morning, I sat on my bed and it was like there was a speaker in my ears. And I just had to write. He said, when you are bringing anything to God, when you are giving to God, you must understand who you are going to give whatever you are giving to. Who it is you are giving to. You see, when you are giving, let's say you meet a young boy of six, six-year-old boy, and an 18 year old boy and you want to give them money you might take maybe two CD, a two cd note and give the little boy and you say ah i've got two cds i'm going to buy wapi you give that two cds to the 18 year old boy he will say what is this two cds at mingbane how he's why pay you you are so whenever you are giving to god remember who you are going to give to before you even take it because listen he is God. You are giving to God. He is the sovereign ruler of the heavens and the earth. He's a giver of life to you. He's the one who gives you free breath. Amen. He's the one who gives you strength to work. He's the one who keeps you and your children and your family. He's the one who protects all you think you have, which is not yours because there's nothing that we have that God didn't give to us. That's what the Bible says. And he is the one who protects all that. And secondly, understand this, that the one you are going to give to who is God, he sees all things. And he knows all things. He's the all-knowing God and the all-seeing God. <laughs> so he knows everything. He knows what he has given to you. He knows what is in your bank account. He knows what's in your pocket. And he knows what you have hidden under your bed so that your wife or your husband doesn't see it. Somebody say amen. Above all, he knows what is in your heart. Apart from the substance he's given you, he knows what is in your heart. He knows the thoughts that you are thinking. There's nothing hidden from God. So if you are going to give to God and you say, okay, I just give this because if I give this, it's too much. God knows you said that in your mind. God knows you thought it. If you have this and you say, oh, I'm going to give this as my tithe. After all, the church doesn't need money. After all, 
these pastors, you know, just take your money and they just chop it. God knows your heart. God knows what you thought. So he knows. So that's what I'm saying. When you are coming to give to God, understand that. Who am I going to give to? And understand who he is. He knows all things. So there's nothing hidden from him. And that is why sometimes we say we are giving, but we are not seeing what we want. We are not getting that blessing from it. Because you gave, yes, but you gave like Cain. We are giving like Cain. And you see, sometimes when we talk about giving and um, tithes and all that, people say, ah, oh, there they go again, pastors and everything. You know, but I am under total conviction to speak to you what I'm speaking to you. Because you know something? If we say we are building a people up, and we say we want a people to get the best of God, and we don't tell them the whole truth, then we do them a disservice. I want to say this, that with or without you, the work of God goes on. With or without your giving or your tithe, the work of God goes on. So really, if we preach these things to you, it's not for the benefit of the church. The church is God's institution. You know, the church belongs to God. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's his church. And he knows how to take care of his church. And God has enough to take care of the church without your money, without you. If you die tomorrow, the church won't stop because your tithe stopped coming in. No. It moves on. Since the days of the Acts of the Apostles, when the Holy Ghost came down, and the disciples started moving forward. And they called them Christians. The church was founded or built. Listen, from then to now, have you ever heard that the church has not been able to do anything to move on because one individual, 10 people, 20 people, 100 people decided they are not giving? It doesn't happen. It would never happen. So that it means that it is to your benefit I'm talking to you about the power in giving. Because there's something that comes to us when we give. You know, and if you look at what God has, and you compare to what you give, what we give to God is nothing compared to what God has and what God does for us and what God can give to us. It's nothing. You know, and I'm telling you this because people say, oh yeah, it's Corona time, the church is struggling, so here's a pastor come to me. No, 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 no. No. We're getting on fine by the grace of God. By the grace of God. You see, but it's to your benefit. And when I go down this sermon, you understand why I'm telling you this. See, people think you're giving to the church. And they see the church as the building, just a group of people headed by this or that or that. But, you know, the church is for no man. The church is God's institution. In the same way that marriage is an institution ordained by God, the church is also an institution. And that one, it belongs to God. The book of Malachi. And this Malachi, I was just hearing this thing, and that's what I'm telling you. Malachi, the verse, chapter 3, the verse 1. I'll be working it to the 18. 
he says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come into his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts, Malachi prophesying. But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like a fuller's soap. Fire that will separate the dross from the gold. The fuller soap that washes and makes clean. And he said, and he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi, the priests, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. So the first word is to the priest. He said that he will come and he will purge, purify the priests so that they will be pure, so that they can offer an offering in righteousness. I will explain it further. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old. Talking about in the days of Moses and even before exile. And he said, and I will come near to you to judgment. And I will be a swift witness against the sorceress, against the adulteress, against the false wearers, and against those that oppress the, oppress the hirelings in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear me not, saith the Lord of hosts. He said, when he comes, he said, you come to judge. And you'll be a swift witness, giving judgment against the sorceress, against those who commit adultery against false swearers against those who oppress servants against those who oppress widows and the orphans and those who also oppress or deal wrongly with strangers and those who do not fear him so he's coming as a judge against that so for i am the lord i change not therefore ye sons of jacob are not consumed even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. My ordinances and have not kept them. There's a return unto me and I'll return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you see, wherein shall we return? So God is saying that I am saying this. Return to me. Change your heart. Change your ways. And return to me and I'll return to you. And then the people say, in what way should we return? Then God says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Then the people say, how have we robbed you? Then he says, in tithes and in offerings. Then God says, you are cursed with a curse. Because you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Then he says, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. If I will not open unto you the windows of heaven. And pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. Say the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed. And you shall become a delightsome land. Say the Lord of hosts. I will end there. I will come back to the verse 13 to 18. Alright. Now. The book of Malachi if you've ever gone through your Bible, you realize that it's the last book of the Old Testament. 
Malachi is the last prophetic book in the Old Testament. After the book of Malachi, then you come into the New Testament. And the prophecy of Malachi, Malachi's prophecy, was really not for the past, but was for the future. And he says that the messenger of the covenant will come. Who is the messenger of the covenant? He says the messenger of the covenant, even the Lord, the Lord, whom you delight in, he will come. Who was he talking about? The messenger of the covenant he was talking about is Christ. Because you see, Jesus is the fullness of all the covenants of the Old Testament brought together and fulfilled in the new covenant. When you take the Edenic or Adamic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, and the Davidic covenant, all together, packaged together, Jesus said that he came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. And he came to bring the new, a new and everlasting covenant that is in his blood. In the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant, even the Abrahamic covenant, it was sealed by circumcision, which was also a shedding of blood. Now in the Mosaic covenant, you see a system of sacrifices being made all the time so the people would be, at, or would be one with God. God would be at peace with his people and the people would be, be blessed. So they brought peace offerings, um, all kinds of offerings, thanksgiving offerings, um, sin offerings, many offerings with stipulated things, an ox, a cow, a sheep, turtle, doves, birds. It was too much. That was also in blood. But Jesus came as the mediator, he says, of the new and everlasting covenant. And the new and everlasting covenant, this new testament, this new covenant, is sealed in his blood. He's a messenger of the covenant. All right? And the messenger of the covenant himself says in Matthew chapter 23, 23, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. Those are spices. And have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done, and not to leave the other undone. This tells me to let you understand that Jesus did not come to abolish tithe. As some false preachers are telling you, Jesus didn't come to do away with the tithe. He said that you Pharisees, you are hypocrites. You are, scri you, 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 you are fake. Why? Because you pay tithe, yes? But the tithe you pay, you pay of spices. Maybe they were, I don't know whether they were, they were dealing with spices. But the weightier matters of the law, which is you don't do right judgment, you don't have mercy, and you don't walk or live in faith. And he says, these you should have also done and not left any undone. So the whole matter of the whole tithe should be done, not a portion of it. That's what he was telling them. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. Amen. And the book of Malachi talks about these ones, the priests. The, the first attack of Malachi goes to the priest. He said the priests, he said he's come to purify them. Why? Because they were giving wrong or not acceptable offerings before God. He said that he'll come and refine them so that they'll bring to God an acceptable offering. Now, what is an acceptable offering? What constitutes an acceptable offering? 
an acceptable offering before the Lord is one that is number one given out of a right spirit. So the condition of the one, the spiritual condition of the one giving the offering matters where there's giving to God, whether tithes or offering. Okay? I'll explain to you later. Then secondly, the quality of the offering or the tithe also matters. You see, Malachi, the book of Malachi, I think, was written somewhere around 445 years before Christ. Okay? That's the nearest of all the prophetic books before the coming of Christ. His words, number one, were to the priests, and secondly, to the people. The worship of God in God's temple at that time had begun to wane. That is, people were not worshiping God as they ought to. You know, when they came back from exile and the temple was rebuilt, there was that revival. But over time, as it is with many, 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 many churches, coldness sets in, apathy sets in. And even with us as believers, remember when you, you fell in love with Christ, it was hot. As time progresses, you start becoming cold. So they, they started becoming cold. The worship was waning. And because their worship of God was waning, they were also not seeing the fullness of the blessing of God. It wasn't going well with them. And so they started questioning God and questioning the love of God. As many of us do. Why, God, why this? If you love me, why this? God, I've paid for all this. Why that? And this was God's response to them. Malachi 1, 1 and 2. He said, the burden of the word of the Lord of Israel to Malachi. He put this bed on Malachi's heart. He says, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet you say, how have you loved us? Was not Esau, that he said, was not Esau, Jacob's brother, saith the Lord. Yet I loved Jacob. And Israel is Jacob. He said, I have loved you. But you are asking me, how have I loved you? It was their behavior, the issues on the ground. The, the, their, their loss of their first love to God. Their lack of true worship of God. That made them not feel or receive the fullness of all the blessing that God had for them. Their lack of respect for God also was affecting their well-being. And the priests, as I said, were the first point of attack. You see, the priests, Malachi says, were bringing before God unacceptable sacrifices. Offerings that were not acceptable. If you go to the book of Leviticus chapter 1, the verse 2 and 3, God said, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, if any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the head and of the flock. Then he says, if his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the head, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. Is that when they bring their offering, it should be without blemish. Without blemish. Leviticus 22, 21 to 22 says that, And whosoever offereth a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord to accomplish his vow or free will offering in beeves or sheep, it shall be perfect. The offering should be perfect to be accepted. Because it knows that the priest will come and um, inspect your, the animal you are bringing for sacrifice first. Then he said, there should be no blemish therein. The animal should not be blind, not have a broken leg, 
or maimed or have a wen or scurvy, the skin should not have any disease on it. You know those diseases that sheep get on their skin, yeah. No scabies, no scabs. Yet you shall not offer this unto the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them upon the altar unto God. So God was saying that do not bring any sacrifice, any offering unto the Lord. That is not perfect. That is not complete. Amen. But in the time of Malachi, Malachi was saying that the priests were accepting and presenting sacrifice before the Lord that were maimed, halt, blind. They were, people were bringing these sacrifices and the priests would take them and they'll offer them unto God. And God had a problem with the priests. And listen to what God says. Malachi 2, 1 and 2. And this to all pastors, all men and women of God. He said, and now ye priests, this commandment is for you. You see, most of the time, as pastors and men and women of God, we seem to think that the word of God is only for the congregation. No, 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 no. It's for us first. Because if we be the keepers of the word and the custodians of the law, of the word of God, then we should be the first to, to live it. If we judge ourselves, we shall not be judged. He said, this commandment is for you. And you know how I said sometimes when you sit in church and pastor is preaching, ah, Auntie Esi should have come to church today. This word is her word. It's not Auntie Esi's word. It is your word because you are there. It is your word this morning. If you love me, clap your hands. Thank you. He said, if, if you will not hear, talking to the priest, if you will not lay it to heart or give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I've cursed them already because you do not lay it to heart. So he will curse the priest. He said, and he will even curse their blessings. Hey, it's getting thicker. I'm seeing something now. So if the priest himself, herself, is cursed and they are busy laying hands on you, what are they transferring? Somebody say, mercy, Lord. So I mean, the priest should do right. So God will bless their blessings. Mm -hmm. And he says that the priests were not doing right. They were presenting before him unacceptable sacrifices. And because of that, he said he would curse them. There were social issues at that time also that Malachi was talking about. Issues of people not dealing faithfully with one another in the nation. And then also, divorce. Malachi too talks about it. Divorce. Men were divorcing their wives, beating them, dealing unfaithfully with them, and divorcing them. And that is why God says, I hate divorce. You know, people often say, and God says he hates divorce, and God says he hates divorce, and use it as a, a bondage to abuse and to destroy lives, lives of women, lives of men, and lives of children. The context in which God was talking about divorce was not in the context where a man is misbehaving and terrorizing and terrifying and doing all kinds of things against his wife or a wife is also doing the same. No. He was talking in the context where he says that if they would not stop, because he said that they, they have covered his altar with tears. Why? Because they were just putting away their wives. And he said that a man should be careful that he does not deal treacherously 
against the wife of his youth, the wife of his covenant. And he says, I, the Lord, say, I hate putting her away because of what they were doing. He said, you have covered the altar of God with tears, with weeping, and with crying out so much, in so much that he regarded not the offering anymore or received it with goodwill at your hand. So when you are busy maltreating your wife or your husband or anything like that, your offering or giving to God, God says that he doesn't regard it. So for the church, people who are sitting in high seats as elders and deacons and all those things and at home, you are doing all kinds of things. Your service, your giving is nothing before God. For every one of us. Amen. Then you say, why? Why will you not receive from our hands? They say, because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously. For she is your companion and the wife of your covenant. For the Lord God of Israel says he hates putting away. He hates divorce. For one covereth violence with his garment, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. So you are dealing treacherously with the wife of your youth. God says that he hates that. Somebody will start off with his wife and they'll struggle. When it gets to a point when things have become fine, then that he remembers that his wife doesn't speak English. His wife never went to university. Now he's looking for a university girl and do away, put away the wife. You are cursed with a curse. It cannot be well with you. It cannot. And this is the truth. So we should take heed. Take heed to your spirit. Every one of our men and women, we must take heed to our spirit. If we say we are believers, we are Christians, we must take heed to our spirit. Because out of the abundance of your spirit, you will speak, you will do. If you deal unjustly, with anyone, the stranger in your midst, your wife, your husband, unjustly, God sees, God knows it. And so your giving will not benefit you. No. And you will struggle. You will face it. It can take 10 years. It can take 50 years, 20 years. But at the end, before you are put into the ground, judgment is waiting for you. So take heed to your spirit. And God, because of this, God said, I hate divorce. He's putting away. Amen. The people also took their portion. Said, as for the people, this was their problem. They had refused to tithe and bring offering to the temple. He said, they have neglected to give God what he deserves. And I want to ask you this morning, let's ask ourselves, what does God deserve? You see, it's not what does God need. God doesn't need anything from us, you know, but our worship, our love. And even that, God can create more people. For God can cause overpopulation. Amen. So yours alone may not necessarily make a difference. But what does God deserve when you look at your life? And you look at what God has brought you through. The many things he has done and continues to do. What do you think God deserves? And what you even need him to do. What do you think God deserves? What does God deserve? <laughs> it's big. It's deep. What does God 
deserve. They, they, they had neglected the institution of God, the temple of God, the worship of God, the house of God. And so God says to them in Malachi 3, 8 to 12, will a man rob God? So God considered they are not bringing in their tithes and their offerings as robbery. And they both said, have we robbed you? He said, yet you have robbed me. Then he says, but you say. And I love this about Malachi. You know, God speaks, the people speak, but Malachi puts it together like that. He said, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee? And God says, in tithes and in offerings. Then he says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Whole nation have robbed me. To bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. That they may meet in my house. And prove me herewith. Bring ye all the tithes and offer into my storehouse. Where is the storehouse of God? In all the world. This morning I asked my husband. Because I was preaching to him first before we got here. I said where do you think is the storehouse of God? Where do you think? Today if we say God's house. Will you go to the beach? No. Say so we're coming to the house of God. You're going to church. Because that is God's institutional place. That this is my habitation. This is my place. He said to Moses, tell the people to bring me an offering. Bring an offering that you, you may build me a sanctuary. That I may dwell among you. And that is why when you are born, your parents will rush to bring you to church. For either dedication or baptism. They don't take you to the zoo. When you want to get married, you, you, you bring your marriage to church. Or if you say you want a garden where you come and invite the priest to follow you to the garden, wherever it may be. That's another subject for another day. When you die, even if you never went to church, your family will go and look for one logo, logo priest somewhere to come. Because maybe if you don't go to church, no church will accept you in their sanctuary. But they'll go and call the priest, whether to the funeral home or the mock to come and pray over you. I mean, who cram Too late. When you die, you are brought to the house of God. And one old lady I knew said that, Ma, me de na me penise me wua, mum fe brasban, na mum po brasban, na mum fe me brasori dem, na mum po. And then I laughed. I said to mommy, "Enu pe na wojo hu." I said, "Hi, not the heaven though, but the ceremony in the house of God with the brass band, mumbo pam pam, pam pam, pam pam." And let me tell you something. I tell I'm a fan to source for me. You, I can't help these things. Hmm. It is said that if you have money, no, if you don't have money and you die, and let's say. You come from somewhere. I won't mention any names, so I don't have trouble. When they are taking you to the cemetery, this is how they sing. Women fellowship. Fast, 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 fast. You're going to see you. You're buried, that's it. But if you are wealthy, Get ready to sing my song. The brass band, the priest in his full regalia, 
it be six or seven priests. Then the brass band pam pam. Then it start. Jerusalem, oh man, kum kum boom boom, oh man, no yeah boom boom, oh man, full fruit boom, baby, boom boom boom, yeah baby, now you di, you ready, battle, hallelujah, boom 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 boom, baby, hey, cool. Now, see the brass band, how the brass band are playing the boom boom, it enters into your spirit and invokes more crying. People will be weeping and wailing. Papo, mommy, It's a matter of which side of the divide that thing is coming from. Somebody say, God, have mercy on us. So you want Jerusalem, Mama? Amen. But you see, the church, as I'm saying, is God's institution. And we all recognize that. And God says, bring the tithes and the offering into the storehouse. My house. That there may be meat in my house. Meat in my house. Enough in my house. Then he says, improve me and see. If I will not, he said, prove me herewith. That means prove me with this one and see. If I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast their fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall become a delightsome land. This is the word of God. Not the word of man. This is the word of God. And somebody said, oh, that's in the Old Testament. Yes, but I've told you the timing. If you look at the timelines of Malachi's prophecy and his ministry, and if you read the whole book of Malachi, don't read just the chapter 3, verse 10 there and, you know, make up your mind. Or, no, no. Read from chapter 1. Then you get the whole message of the prophet Malachi and what God was speaking through him. Are you, are you understanding me? And he said, and all nations shall call you blessed. Telling me that, you see, that power that brings an open heavens, which you need the power that will rebuke the devourer, that which you want to destroy. That power that will bring you to the place of having an overflow in your life. It lies in your obedience in giving. My husband asked me a question. He said, but why do you think people don't want to give and tithe? And I want to bring that one. Number one, lack of understanding. A lot of people have no understanding or part understanding. And I always say, if somebody has no understanding, they are okay. They are, they are safe. On safe. They are safe people because they don't know. It, and they admit they don't know. The most dangerous ones are those who know in part. Or those who think they know but they don't know. Those ones, they are the most argumentative, at the same time, ignorant people who deceive people and lie to people. And that is why we must all be like the Bereans. When the apostles preached the message to the people in Berea, they went and they, they read the word themselves. So they knew it for themselves. Learn to read the word of God for yourself. 
don't go and sit. Even this month, as I'm ministering to you, you are listening to me. When I'm done, go and take the book of Malachi. You yourself read it. And do, do a Bible study on these things I'm talking to you about. Not just Malachi. Run through the Bible. Genesis to Revelation. And look at the subject of giving to God. And you get your own understanding. Lack of understanding makes people not want to give their best to God or give their tithe or the best and even the tithe some people tip God they don't tithe they decide that I just give this portion it's a tip you're giving to God and who can give God a tip nobody some also decide in their hearts that I won't give as for me I'm not paying I'm not going to give there are some also who are just mean-spirited there are some people in life who are mean-spirited hard mean they don't give. They don't give to others. They don't even give to God. There are those. People also don't give to the church because of the behavior of priests, men and women of God, because of some of the excesses and the abuse of what is the money, the church money, money that has been brought in tithes and offerings for the building up and the well-being of the church abuse as in squandering money so so those are the things one of the reasons why a lot of people have decided that i won't tithe i won't give and that is the fault of dishonest and unfaithful servants of god we have brought a cast a slay upon the work of god and so why should i go and give the pastor one day I saw somebody put something on um, this thing. You know, some pastors with their big stomachs and um, wearing suit. And then the question was that, will you give to these ones? Or, and there was also a picture of a little, some children, you know, very poor children. And <laughs> said, so will you give to this one or to this one? And people were responding, I'd rather give to the little children. You know, but I said, but you, see, you cannot lump in all pastors yes we have bad ones in the same way as we have bad doctors bad politicians bad nurses bad teachers bad laborers bad everything bad but then when we are giving we are not giving to the pastor we are giving to the work of god and i said that the the Lord who knows everything. Do you think he doesn't know what is done with the money that is brought to him in his name? He knows. He knows. And if priests or pastors abuse the finances of God, and I'm talking to every man and woman of God, and I'm talking to us first to understand that you will also get your just punishment. You'll be punished. God will not let you go free. No. Remember the account of Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of the priest Eli, the high priest. These boys, Bible called them the sons of Belial, the devil. Bible said they knew not the Lord. And the custom was that when the people had brought in their offerings and their sacrifice, which was meat, what will happen is that when they bring it, they have to, you know, burn it as a sacrifice unto God, especially the fatted 
fatted portions. There were portions they would give to the priests afterwards because the priests also had to be fed. But the, the fatted portions was for, was for the Lord. But Bible says that what they did was that when they come into the temple, let me read it for you to understand. So now the first Samuel 2, I'm reading from the verse 12. So the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hands. And he struck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. And all that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came there. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give the flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. And if any man said to him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently. Let them burn the fat to God first. And then take as much as you want. You say, No, give it to me now. If not, I'll take it by force. And Bible says, Wherefore the sins of these boys was very great before the Lord. Hmm? And so it came to pass that God said to Eli that he will wipe out his priesthood and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, would die in one day. And it happened. Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, they died in one day. Eli also died with them, the priests, because he couldn't check his children. Pastors who don't check your children from abusing church things and church people. They died. And not only that, the priest was taken from Eli's lineage. Are you understanding me? And that's how come Samuel became the priest after. Listen, there is nothing that God doesn't know. And so your part or our part as believers is to bring what is for God to God. Yes, and leave it to God. Because God knows you brought it. And that blessing that is yours, he will give it to you. And the one who did right with it, he will bless. The one who did wrong with it, he will also curse. But let us be right with God. Because I can't say that because of this, I won't do this and then fall short before God. No. Some of us, I, I mean, I, I won't go to church. Why? Oh, because church people, they gossip too much. In your office, don't they gossip? In your family, don't they gossip? Even in your very home, don't they gossip? Why don't you leave your home? You understand? People will come up with all kinds of reasons not to serve God. What's for me? That church, hmm. I, mean, I don't like how the pastor behaves. Hmm. I don't like how the choir too is. Oh, they are singing. But you come every Sunday just to pollute and destroy the house of God. Can you, can you destroy that which God has built with his hands? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will never, never prevail against it. If you choose to join the devil to destroy the church, God will destroy you. But as for the church, you cannot destroy the church. Even those of us who are called to minister, we cannot destroy the church. A long time ago, God said something to me and I've kept it all my life. I think I came into ministry maybe 25 years old. I was in my 20s. And he said to me one day, he said that nobody is indispensable in this ministry. Then he added, even yourself. That's what he said to me. He said, no one is indispensable in this ministry, even you. I said, yes, sir. I hear you right. And because of that, I know 
And there have been so many instances that the church had to move on without me because I wasn't around. It didn't stop. It didn't close down because I was not well or I was not around. It kept on moving. The church is marching on. The church is marching on. With or without you. With or without me. The church is marching on. The blessing is for you to take when you do what you are supposed to do. By God. I, I, I hope you're understanding me. You know, I was telling my husband this morning that the message I have to preach, today's is the foundation. That's the understanding I get. Because if we are talking about power, the power, the blessing in giving, we are talking about how we can receive the fullness of you know, every good thing answered prayer and everything that we are desiring but you see you cannot build a house on a poor foundation if the people are not tightening right the people are not giving right the people's hearts are not right with god the people's hearts are not right with one another and you are praying over them and you are you know casting out the demon the demon will go as soon as you turn out the demon will jump back in because the person's heart is not right with god are you understanding me so we are laying the foundation, the proper foundation. Then we'll build on the foundation, the structure, a good structure. And I've prayed, I've prayed that, I said to God, God, please let everyone that hears this word today, take it in and begin to do it. And let us see progress in the lives of your people. Let us see change. Because it is very disheartening for a pastor to see your member or somebody, your flock, going through certain things that are needless, that can be sorted out, if only the right thing would be done. But you see, people don't like to be told they are wrong. And the message I'm preaching today, people don't like it. People don't like to be told to give. Immediately talk about, you know, in the church setting, not the Lord's Garden Ministry, we're not like that. Or are we? All Lord's Garden Ministry members, clap your hands. And covenant partners too. And anyone who loves them. You see, when church is going on and there's, oh, single, single, praise the Lord, power beyond the sky. Come set me free. A blessing that they did And everybody's dancing and jamming to church music. And they say, often time, as Pastor Tibu say. And then the blessing, blessing time. It's like cold water has been poured upon the whole atmosphere. Why? Because we don't want to give. That is a part of the self of man. The self of man, which goes into selfishness. You understand? But we died to self. When we became born again, that self will die. Don't resurrect it. And don't allow it to be resurrected. The shortcomings of Israel in Malachi's time brought them no progress. And they felt that God was not worth serving. So in Malachi 3.30, I'm moving from where I was. God says, your words have been stout against me, said the Lord. And you say, what have we spoken so much against you? And God says, you have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked continually and monthly before the Lord of hosts? Then he says, and now we call the proud happy. Yes, when we, we decide not to serve God, our thinking becomes wrong. 
We call the proud happy. We exalt wickedness. And even those who tend God, we see nothing wrong with it. Then he said, and then, then that feared God said to one another, the Lord hearkened and his head. Whatever we are saying, whether with our mouths, I've served God these years, what, have, what has God done for me? God has heard you. What are you thinking, my heart? So what's the point of all this service to God? God has heard it. Hmm? He said, God heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought on his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And I'll spare them as a man spared his own son who serves him. And they shall return and descend between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serves God and him that does not serve him. There's a difference between those who serve God and those who do not serve him. But God says that a book of remembrance is being written. Amen. And the names of those who served him in spirit and in truth. So they shall, those people shall be his jewels and their names are written. Listen, the foundation of your relationship with God is based on your sacrifice. And when I said, someone said, ah, I'm not talking about the sacrifice of your money or your tithe. No, I'm talking about the sacrifice of your life. The Apostle Paul said that I beseech thee therefore, brethren, by the message of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy, holy, not W-H-O, it's H-O-L-Y, holy, holy, be holy. Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And he said, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Today I pray that your mind concerning God, the things of God, the church, your giving, your tithing will be renewed so, so that you may prove that, that which is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God gave his son to beget you. What is your reasonable service? It's your life, your time, your talent, and your treasure. Amen. Your sacrifice of your time, your talent, your treasure, your life truthfully, honestly, faithfully to God, that holds power to your well-being. Hallelujah. I want to end here. But there's one scripture that fell in my spirit just as I was walking out of my bedroom. I heard it. He said, that, you know, people say, um, in trees, it's totally wrong. In the book of Haggai, chapter 1, Haggai was prophesying about the people of God. And um, he said, that speaketh the Lord of hosts saying, this people say, the time is not come. The time is not come that the house of the Lord should be built. Then, Bible says, then came the word of God by Haggai saying, is it time for you, oh, to dwell in your, your sealed houses? And this house, the house of the Lord, lies in waste. Now therefore, say the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but you have brought in little. You eat, but you don't get full. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You are not drunk. So you see, it's not that drink, but don't get drunk. It's that you drink, but you don't get drunk. You eat, but you are not satisfied. You so much, but you bring in little. Then he said, you clothe you, but the, you are not warm. So he that earneth wages, earneth wages, but he puts it in a bag with holes. That's the situation or condition of the people. God says, consider your ways. 
said, go up to the mountain, bring wood, and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You look for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, home, I did blow upon it. Why? That says the Lord of hosts, because my house is waste. My house lies in waste. The house of the Lord is in waste. There's nothing, it's empty, not properly done. And you dwell in your houses. You dwell in your beautiful, decorated, posh, you know, houses. See, every man runs to his own house. So therefore, the heaven over you is stayed. A closed heaven from dew. And the earth is stayed from the fruit, from its fruit. That means that when we say that it's not time to do the service of God, it's not time to build the house of God, but then we do our own. God says that you eat, but you get full. You earn wages, but you put the wages in a bag with holes in it. There'll be a drain. You will drink, you will not get drunk. That means that you will not be satisfied. Nothing will build up for you. Why? Because we have deliberately decided that it's not about the house of God. It's not about God. It's about us. And he says that he himself will shut the heavens and the earth will not yield this fruit. So you sow. But instead of getting maybe 100 fold return or 70, you get 20. And that is why you are always hard up. And that's why you are living from month and before the, the middle of the month, you have nothing. You see, you may be earning salary with somebody, the same salary, but you see the person's life, if the person's not doing 419, hmm. you see that the person maybe is going on, but for you, whenever you get your salary, then you get the call. Your auntie just died, bring in donation. Then the next call is that, ah, something is spot in your family house. They are levying everybody. Then your car starts giving you a problem. So you spend almost all in repairing that card, but you need to move. A drain. A drain. He said, I called, God said, I called upon a drought on the land, upon the mountains, upon the corn, and upon the new one, upon the oil, and upon the ground that brings forth, upon men, upon cattle, and upon all the labor of their hands. God can call a drought on us. And there are times when truly we are living under a closed heaven. But in closing, I want to tell you this. God says, Bring ye all your tithes and offerings in my storehouse. And prove me with this and see if I will not open the windows of heaven upon your life. And I'll pour you out blessing that you don't even have hands to contain it. Not even room to receive it. Peter brought in that drought of fish and he couldn't do it alone. He had to call two or three more boats to help him. That is the kind of thing we are talking about. And he said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake, that which is destroying in your life, your family, your children, your business. Just destruction, all kinds of trouble. And he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine fall before its time in the field. No prematurity. And he says that you shall be called a delightsome land. This is what the power of giving does for us. Amen. I pray that will not be like the people of Israel in the time of Malachi. Neither the people's behavior in the time of the prophet Haggai. But we, heeding the word of the Lord, will give our all to God. What God deserves from us, we give it. And then he said, prove me. 
pure says fast so me she na never bet me as onya me ahwe but i say fast so me she and if god says that it's deep you understand because god will never go against himself neither can god lie i leave this word to the hearers and the doers of the word of god in jesus name amen thank you jesus you want to lift up your hands this morning and i want you to pray to god yourself there's one prayer i can't pray for you talk to god yourself this morning wherever you are thank you jesus we give you glory this morning lord we give you praise we declare that lord you are god the possessor of the heavens and the earth and all that dwells within it nothing nothing belongs to us oh god all things are given to us by you we are stewards in this life even the life that you have given to us huh, we are stewards custodians of this life pray this month that lord help us do that which is pleasing in your sight that which will invoke your pleasure upon us oh ya bushanda basanda lela mosele de bebrianda thank you for listening to today's word connect with us on our website www.tlgm.org Get interactive with Apostle on all social media platforms at Apostle Leanne Coffey.